The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change and shift your business paradigm. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lynn for insights on emerging trends that could impact the future of your business. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the innovative business leaders of today. Now, here's your host, Nancy Lynn. Hi, this is Nancy Lynn of the Business Reinvention Show, where we share thought-provoking ideas from different industries so that you can connect the dots and stay innovative and competitive. Well, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you're having a great day. Um, it's hard to believe this, but it's been almost three years uh, since we first discussed 3D printing on the show. One of the newest 3D printing projects has been announced just recently, and the plan is to print a steel bridge over a canal in Amsterdam using 3D printing tools, something that might not have been possible even a few years ago. And lines can be printed to intersect and create a self-supporting structure now. I think that's quite amazing. Um, so what else has changed with the technology, and what have marketers learned over the last three years about customer needs. Well, that's the focus of today's show, and we'll get insight about new possibilities as well as new hurdles that the industry faces. We have three experts joining us for the panel discussion today. Tim Caffey is a senior consultant at Willis Associates. He has been working on 3D printing since 1992. Also with us are James Page, Senior Product Manager for Spark at Autodesk, and Michael Weinberg, IP and General Counsel at Shapeways. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Really excited to have all of you here. Um, and I know you, uh, all of you have worked in this area um, for a long time and have a lot to uh, contribute today. Um, 3D printing is definitely a fun topic to discuss. And I have to say that some people are probably scratching their heads right now trying to figure out where the market is going and how close we are to the tipping point. Uh, but first, let's take a moment to talk about what has been accomplished so far. Um, let me start with you first, Tim. Um, you, you were actually on our show three years ago. So first of all, let me say welcome back. Thank you. Um, and I know you have also worked on this uh, for a long time, um, starting at the time when you were in Boeing. So I'm very curious about your perspectives um, in terms of um, the most, oh, I should say, maybe a couple of most significant events for 3D printing um, over the last three years. Um, what do you think they are and what made them possible? Well, I think some of the greatest advances have occurred in, in, in industry versus uh, the personal computer or personal 3D printing segment. And some of the bigger ones are in the aerospace industry. Um, General Electric Aviation is going to build fuel nozzles for its next generation uh, um, engine out of additively manufactured metal powder parts. And they combined 18 different parts that were once welded or brazed together into a single part, a very complex part. There are 19 fuel nozzles on every engine. And, of course, these uh, combine air and jet fuel uh, into an atomized powder and inject it into the combustion chamber where it is lit and it's used to power the airplane. So this is quite a milestone in the fact that such a uh, highly engineered product in such a risk-averse industry as aerospace is making a product out of additive manufacturing. And this is one of the general trends that we see. Uh, initially, this technology was used for prototyping. In fact, the entire industry was called rapid prototyping. And over the last three to five years, we're seeing much more production parts, parts that are used in final products, being made with additive technologies. And these are in niche markets, uh, including hearing aids, in-ear hearing aids that are customized to a patient's ear canal, orthodontic aligners that are formed over customized 
additively manufactured forms, and such things as uh, orthopedic implants. So over time, we think we'll see more of these types of industrial niche applications for final products, and that really is one of the larger trends. The second large trend that I mentioned, I'll mention briefly is the use of metals. 10 to 15 years ago, there was very little metal additive manufacturing occurring. Today, it's really one of the fastest sub-segments within a very fast-growing industry. Well, so it sounds like the level of complexity and also the breadth of uh, adoption, I think, um, has uh, have both really um, increased. Um, James, uh, do you have anything else to add? I mean, what do you consider the most significant advance in 3D printing? You know, I think one of the, the most significant advances that is really making a difference is in making the 3D printing process actually work better and be more straightforward. So to build on some of the use cases that Tim mentioned, uh, he mentioned some of the, the nozzles for aerospace. Uh, those are wonderful use cases, and they are going to make a big difference. Uh, but to, historically, to get every one of those use cases all the way through from the design process of the part all the way through to uh, through the printing machines to the physical output has taken a tremendous number of engineering hours to debug the process and uh, many cycles of failed prints. And so one of the things that, that we in the Spark uh, printing platform at Autodesk believe is going to make a big difference is building more intelligence into the workflows and simply making the process work better so that it takes fewer cycles and it's, a much, more, it's much more streamlined when going from the design to, to get you to the, the final part that you want. Yeah, use of views is really very important. Um, what about Michael? Um, what's your perspective on this? Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of those points. I think the other thing that's happening and maybe the, the sort of overarching thing that's really accelerating all of this is that what we're starting to see is more and more people are even aware of 3D printing. So 3D printing has been around for a while. It traditionally had a fairly narrow industrial commercial application, and people outside of that universe didn't really know about it. One of the really exciting things that has happened with 3D printing in the last couple of years is more and more people have just have th- have, have learned about it and are thinking about it and are thinking to themselves, well, I didn't know about this technology before. I know about it now. What can I do with it? And it turns out that when you multiply the number of people who are starting to think about 3D printing by orders and orders of magnitude, what then happens is all sorts of unexpected use cases pop up. I mean, I think that bridge is, a, is an interesting example. There are tons of examples of things that the engineers who were using additive manufacturing 10 years ago, they just weren't thinking about these sorts of uses. And so now you have people who say, oh, well, this is perfect for my, for my cosplay adventure. This is a perfect thing to prototype a new product, or this is a great way for me to design jewelry. And all of these are uses that just weren't in the mix because there weren't enough people who were aware of 3D printing before. Mm, very good point. Um, you have um, touched on so many good points. Um, so we're going to actually try to um, drill down a little bit further. Um, Tim, so one thing we noticed, like the adoption rate of 3D printing technology, as you mentioned, sometimes by some niche markets, um, and they're higher in certain industry than the others. Why is that? And what are some of the factors or characteristics for the use cases? Well, ideally, the, the, the ideal additively manufactured final product is very complex, and it's relatively low production volume. So if you're making a really simple thing like a plastic drink tumbler, you're going to build a tool for it, and you're going to injection mold it, especially if you're making 50,000, 100,000 or more of those parts. For additive, it's more of your very low production volumes, like something in aerospace or even in space exploration with rockets, or something in medical where you almost have one-of-a-kind custom products. And these products are are relatively expensive and and relatively complex. So these are the ideal sweet spot type of parts for additive. Additive is never going to – well, I shouldn't say never. Additive is more than likely never going to completely displace other forms of manufacturing, subtractive or formative manufacturing. It, it will actually complement them in this, in this particular niche that I described with the attributes of high cost, uh, high value, and low volumes. 
Now, as machines, if we look forward five, ten years, as machines become less expensive and perhaps faster and can produce parts in a variety of materials, you'll start to see that curve move over a little bit more, and additive will actually qualify for production parts in a broader range of niches. And I think that's what we'll, we'll see in the future as these technologies mature a little more and the machine, machine manufacturers excuse me, uh, begin to integrate process controls and, and real-time uh, monitoring and, and process adjustment to their parts as they build them. So um, with that in mind, I, I think we'll see more industries adapting it. And, of course, there's a lot of space for the other applications as well. I don't think all the engineering firms out there that design parts in CAD are using additive to its full extent for prototyping and uh, master patterns for, for small production runs and functional prototyping and this type of thing. So there's a broad range of applications. There's a broad range of industries using it and a broad range of industries that probably aren't using it enough. So I think there is a very good... Um, growth potential, continued growth potential in the industry. Mm. Well, Michael, I know you um, have a lot of expertise in IP. I'm curious as to what you have seen. Um, what's your take on this? Yeah, we certainly do have a lot of interesting IP questions that are starting to come up. I think this is what you see when when you get democratic access to a technology that makes it so easy for people to build and create. And for a lot of people, 3D printing really is their gateway into creating things. And so when they start creating things, they create all sorts of things, some of which are protected by intellectual property rights that other people control. And so, and so I think that we're kind of in this process now where we're working our way through some of the early stages of this. One of the great advantages that, that we have in 3D printing right now is that uh, everyone involved has living memory of other industries who had to work through a process where it suddenly became very easy for people to build and share and create uh, their types of things, certainly the music industry and the movie industry and things like that. And so the advantage that that gives us all in 3D printing is that it took a lot of time for those industries to work through the disruption but they have largely found ways to really embrace and monetize, in their cases, the Internet generally. And so we're in a situation where we as an industry and everyone involved can kind of jump over all of the problematic steps that we, that we all saw and experienced and maybe rush towards the stage where everyone involved finds a way to make this work for them commercially and socially and in just a really productive way. Yeah, uh, especially because I think 3D printing is really good for, um, you know, less capital intensive industries. And um, Tim, you also mentioned that's really great for customization and, and also fast changing industries. So it, it has a lot of applications. So it would be really great to see how we resolve that issue. Um, it looks like it's time for us to take a quick break. Um, you're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. We'll continue our conversation about 3D printing after a short break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent SF. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, 
Where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Well, I have mentioned the 3D uh, printed bridge um, in Amsterdam. So, James, um, why don't we just use that as an example to help the audience understand the advantage of 3D printing. Um, why 3D print a bridge? I mean, is it just fun to experiment or is it actually better than conventional methods? Yeah, that's a great question, Nancy. And I think there's several components to it. So the first thing is that we should acknowledge that this is forward-looking. This is a project that is really reaching into the future to demonstrate to humanity what the possibilities are when we have new and, and improved manufacturing methods available to us. Um, so it's a very imaginative project, and it's something that, that is representative of what the future can be. Now, what some of the advantages are, uh, for example, are that uh, besides potential economic advantages in the future where uh, things can happen in a more automated way and costs can be lower for infrastructure, uh, I think even more importantly, um, uh, more beautiful structures can be created that serve their purpose better, and they can be designed uh, to reflect their environment. Uh, the robots can react to their environment and create something that really makes sense in that specific context, and they can even build things that are adaptive, so they can build something and they can go back and quickly fix it as uh, traffic you know, patterns adjust and things like that. So there's many things that will happen in the future that will uh, create advantages for humanity, um, and the robots being able to build this bridge give us a glimpse of that. Team, uh, do you have anything to add? I mean, besides you know, potentially making it faster and uh, costing less in some cases, um, any other advantage of using 3D printing? Absolutely. I agree with James that, you know, it's a very futuristic project and it, ha- it, ha- um, it has an aspirational aspect of, that kind of shows and hints at some of the promise of these technologies. And other promises that, that uh, additive technologies can potentially deliver in the future include structures that are uh, complex and have more than one material inside of them, and the materials actually vary in proportion as the part changes. So you might see a tool with a very hard surface, but then a very thermally conductive underside that allows it to cool faster. Or you may see parts that have embedded electronics. So instead of having to assemble, um, uh, say, a smartphone case to a whole bunch of electronic elements together with fasteners or with uh, brazing or soldering, it can all be built in one unit. Same thing with medical. You could see things with uh, you know smart structures. We're talking about wearables now that that actually monitor people's physical conditions and their physiology. Uh, perhaps there could be even in the future implants that also do the same thing with embedded electronics in an implant. So the future is really promising in this respect for mixed materials and and uh, uh, hybrid materials that formerly using conventional manufacturing, had to be assembled from several different parts. 
Oh, that's fascinating. Um, so since we're talking about materials, um, let's just continue on uh, with that um, topic. So James, what are some of the new materials that have become available the last three years? And what are other new materials that you think will become available in the next few years? Sure. So uh, I think it's important to differentiate between some of the different 3D printing technologies. Uh, there are technologies that work on the desktop, and there are technologies that work for industry. And right. uh, there's new materials for all of these different technologies. Um, on the desktop, we're actually seeing materials as sophisticated as carbon fiber composites being able to be printed right on the desktop. Uh, and that opens up a world where... Uh, very strong and light and durable components can be printed on relatively low-cost printers. Uh, then on what, what, the what would be one example of that? Uh, well, you know, one fun example is we're starting to see people printing quadcopter parts right on their desktops. And this is, you know, engineers printing them, but increasingly it's even makers and, and even consumers printing parts for their own quadcopters. Uh, and that leads to very tight innovation loops, very fast innovation loops. Uh, and it also leads to people being able to create parts that they never would have been able to create before. Uh, finally, the fabrication technology is catching up to design in a certain sense. Uh, it used to be that you could design parts that there was no way to fabricate, and now finally there's fabrication techniques that can realize these amazing designs. And not only that, but realize them relatively inexpensively and, and very, very quickly. Um, so then on the industrial side, there are many new materials for industrial scenarios as well. Um, for example, you know, there are many industrial components made out of steel. Uh, we're seeing many more steel alloys being available uh, for metal 3D printing. And where things are going in the future is actually being able to, for example, control the crystal structures on a, a, at a very, very local and even microscopic level. So from one spot in a part to another spot in the part, these printers will be able to control the crystal structure locally. Um, you might, that may sound very academic, but it will have very practical implications uh, and will open up a very wide range of, uh, a much wider range of applications for machine components as well as consumer products. Mm, very exciting. So Michael, um, I know Shapeway is a, a huge marketplace for uh, 3D printed products. What are you seeing some of the new items um, on your website? Yeah, and we're seeing new items and we're seeing new materials. I think one of the things that we're proud of being able to do at Shapeways is that we have factories full of those, those industrial machines we were just talking about, and we make them accessible to people who, who don't have the money or the room to run them. And so we have people who are trying out uh, materials that are totally inaccessible for a desktop machine. So we have people who are using 3D printing for for, for metal, for precious metal, for ceramic. We have all sorts of uh, demos going all the time. And one of the, the really interesting things that wor about working at Shapeways is that you see the breadth of the universe. When you tell somebody you can use 3D printing to make just about whatever you want, all of a sudden, you know, people start making all sorts of random things. So you start seeing incredible jewelry. You see, keeps, you see really useful things to have around the house. You see all of these pieces. You see pieces of, of quadcopters and drones and things like that. And I think that you know, one of the things that, and I can say this as a, as a lawyer and not an engineer, that most people don't realize is the shapes of the things around them they aren't just the optimal shape, to do, the mechanically optimal shape to do the thing that you want to do. You know, when, when, a, when a designer or an engineer is designing something, they think about what they want to achieve, and then they have to run that through a filter of what they can actually build. And as 3D printing and these new materials come together to give designers and engineers and manufacturers and makers more options in how they build things, you start getting these incredible, a lot of times, organic-looking shaped things. And the reason that they look so futuristic is both because they're better at doing whatever you want them to do, whether it's look beautiful or perform some sort of task, and that also they are they're made in a way that just wasn't possible to be made before. I mean, we have these beautiful nervous system 3D printed dresses that look like something from space because finally there's a way to make them. 
Yeah, so it's really interesting because we hear a lot about how large manufacturers um, such as Boeing and GE are leveraging 3D printing technology. Um, and so the question is also, you know, does it represent opportunities for small business? And, and I would think that Shapeway is a good example of how it opens up doors also for small businesses. Um, can you talk about what are some of the key categories that you have on the website that, that really creating entrepreneurship entre- uh, opportunities? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right because you have a situation where uh, before, if you wanted to make, if you wanted to make and sell something, you had to have enough capital to do a run of a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand pieces, and so you were making a bet that you were right that the market wanted those things, and if you were wrong and you were a small business owner, you ended up with a garage full of unsold stock. And so what we see with Shapeways is because we're printing things on demand, designers upload 20 different designs, and we only make them if somebody buys them. So it's a much more straightforward process. So you do see all of these incredible gadgets where people, they say, I'll design this, and if people want it, we'll print it. If not, I'm not out any money. You see, like I said, beautiful jewelry. You see beautiful uh, things for around the home and design objects and, and functional objects. And all of these they're so diverse because people feel like they can try something new without mm. having to make an outlay of, of capital up front. It only, it only costs money if people want to buy it. So what are some of the most popular items on your website? And, and has that changed over the last few years? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to say. There's such a diversity on our website. I think we have peop- uh, figurines are incredibly popular. People, we have people as scanners get better. They're scanning themselves, they're scanning their families, and they're figuring out both out ways to kind of print their family and themselves, but also integrate them. I have a, I have a colleague who has a, a coffee cup with his friend's face integrated into it and printed. We do see uh, jewelry is an incredibly popular category for us because it's that right sweet spot of you can get incredibly detailed organic shapes and the price is right and the availability is right you really you can't get things that look like that anywhere else and those those are incredibly popular on our site right now also accessories we have a whole contest going with a drone company right now because people started buying drones and just designing one-off accessories that they wanted for their drone and when there's one off there's usually two or three off Mm, very interesting. Um, Tim, we know that some large retailers um, have also tried to get into um, this market. And for example, Staples and I think probably Home Depot too. Um, they started to offer 3D printers or 3D printing services, um, but all with very limited success. Um, what do you think are some of the challenges that they are facing? What would it take for it to go a little more, um, uh, with a, um, generate a little better uh, adoption in the retail channel? Well, so an individual, whether it be a homeowner or a hobbyist or a maker who wants to build parts on 3D printers, has several options, one of which is to go out and buy a machine. Now, if they were to buy a machine, uh, they would have... They would have somewhat limited uh, capabilities in terms of the maximum part size, the variety of materials, perhaps the reliability of the machine, depending on how much they're willing to spend, perhaps the speed of the machine, um, and perhaps the quality of the print itself. They have other options as well. They can do things like work with Shapeways, open a shop if they're a designer, even sell their part that way, or have Shapeways build their part for them because these are professionals that do it all day long, you know. Or they could even go to a, a local brick-and-mortar store. There's several independent 3D print shops in larger cities around the country. And, for example, the UPS store ran a, ran a trial with six stores over the course of a year offering engineering services and 3D printing services. And they were successful enough to the, that they decided to expand it to up to 100 stores over this, uh, over this year. So there's also you know local or regional brick-and-mortar stores that will build parts for you. So... The individual has all these choices, right? And maybe going out and buying a 3D printer, it may not be the best idea for them. And and that is part of the challenge that 3D printing companies have. The other problem is that there's so many of them. Um, They've proliferated very quickly, and there's been a little bit of a race to the bottom where printers have been priced lower and lower. Several companies have been funded by crowdsourcing, and some of that has come back to bite them because they've found it difficult to actually produce those 3D printers at the promised prices and still be able to run a viable business and run a profit. 
So there's a lot of challenges related to building these small 3D printers, certainly. Mm, a lot to sort out, for sure. Um, well, let's talk some more after the break. You're listening to Business We Mentioned with Nancy Lynn. You could also download our podcast from Voice America, iTunes, or Stitcher, or go to our website, businessreimagined.com, for more information. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent SF. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more, old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Well, James, I know that Autodesk has teamed up with Microsoft. Um, Spark 3D printing software platform will, will be embedded into Windows 10, which is coming out, in I think, next month. Um, what are you hoping to accomplish with that, and who will be your primary target user? Sure. Well, I would say, first and foremost, we're going to make 3D printing accessible to many more people as a useful and creative tool. Uh, picking up on one of your questions in the last segment, I think one of the greatest barriers has simply been uh, education, you know, knowledge of what is possible, and then direct access to the tools to take advantage of it. So by partnering with Microsoft, we're able to access a huge base of potential users who uh, will be able to do many more things than we've even imagined with these new and very useful creative tools. Uh, so we have 3D printing built right into uh, Microsoft's Windows 10. For example, many more people will have access to it, and you'll be able to 3D print from many, many more applications than you can today. Mm. Well, I know some schools are starting to incorporate 3D printing um, into their curriculum. Um, James, do we know what impact we're seeing or anticipating? Sure. I would say uh, it's a process that has begun in fits and starts, you know, as with adoption of any new and somewhat complex process, uh, there's a a learning curve to it, so to speak. you know, one of the things that we've noticed is that some of the 3D printers in education have sat there unused because the complexity of the process has been too great. So we're actively working to make the workflows easier and to make, uh, for example, single-step printing a reality so that students and teachers can find great content. We're also providing, uh, making it easier to find great content, for example, that go, content that goes with lessons via our Ignite education program. 
and that they can very easily print it and know that they're going to get a good result. And some of the impact that this, this is having is that lessons are becoming richer, you know, whether it's science and engineering uh, or science and math and learning about science and math with physical objects and printing them out and iterating um, or whether it's history and, and printing out a copy, uh, a physical copy of, for example, an archaeological artifact. Those kinds of things are now becoming possible and, and these uh, opportunities are being unlocked by 3D printing. Ah, interesting idea. Um, I think it definitely uh, has the potential to help with learning and create a mindset that it's okay to make mistakes and experiment. Um, and I think it could really help with creativity. Um, uh, Michael, I don't know if if teacher is one of the user group for your website at all, or is education channel one of your um, business focus at all? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there are, there are a lot of ways that we touch education. Right now, we're doing a lot of work with with designers and with the design education community because you have people who are in school right now and making sure that they can design for 3D is something that they see is really important to their future because they see a future in 3D and 3D printing and understanding how those more complex tool chains work and how all the pieces fit together and how what they need to kind of know and what will and won't work is really important. So we're doing a lot of work with design schools. And then there's also the other part of it, which is the, which is uh, tends to skew a little bit younger. And that is this idea that maybe, you know, for various reasons, I think it's great to have 3d printers in the classroom, but sometimes it's hard to support them. Sometimes you really need an enthusiastic, um, you know, teacher there who really is going to be passionate about it. And sometimes classrooms find it easier to deal with a service like Shapeways where they can focus on the ideas and maybe on the design and don't have to worry about the print part of it. And I was, I was actually talking to somebody yesterday who teaches an entrepreneurship class. And they were really excited about using 3D printing and, and using Shapeways because they could have their kids design a new product and open a Shapeways store without having to pay any money up front. And then the kids can focus on the design part of it and the marketing part of it. And the only time there's any money involved is if people start buying their stuff. And so it allows them to kind of dip their toe in the world of online retail and the world of design and the world of marketing without needing a huge upfront capital expense, which of course, as we all know, for schools is always going to be a challenge. Mm. Well, I would like to ask all three of you to help us imagine what the future looks like um, five or 10 years from now. I mean, how would the world function differently with the help of 3D printing technology? Um, Tim, would you like to start first? Sure, I'd be happy to. So I see several key things that will be different in five or 10 years. First of all, you know, the, the cost of machines and 3D printing processes is coming down. Uh, so the cost will be lower. We'll see better quality, higher success rate, and it will be easier to take advantage of ever more powerful tools uh, that will enable the democratization of design and manufacturing. So what, what does that mean specifically for, you know, people on the street? I, I think it means that they'll see many more products uh, that will be customizable, I think many more products will be manufactured on demand, uh, and you'll be able to get them even faster than you can today. Um, and I think that uh, the quality of products will get better because we haven't touched on it very much yet today, but 3D printing actually enables better quality products than you get today by simplifying assemblies and enabling designs that simply couldn't be produced before. Wow. Um, James? Yes. Um, what do you think the future looks like uh, and what role will 3D printing play, say, five years from now? Yes, uh, this is Tim. I think James just uh, spoke, right, James? Yes, that's right. Okay, yeah, this is Tim Caffrey. Yeah, um, sorry. so there's a couple things. First, you talked about the education and workforce training aspect, and I really do think that's important, and I think the ease of use of of the tools, that's, for example, that Autodesk is making available, and the ease and use of actually getting parts from someone who's a professional company like Shapeways is important. What I see in the future, perhaps, is kind of a revitalization of manufacturing in America, where it's okay to be someone who goes into manufacturing in your science, technology, engineering, mathematics type of scenario. You, you have more interest from students. Uh, 
Manufacturing in America kind of has a black eye. People think of it as they have a vision from the past that's a black smoke belching into the into the atmosphere and, and a dirty, unhappy workforce that doesn't want to be there. And that's not the case. Additive, uh, advanced manufacturing in general, with digital manufacturing, if you will, is a very exciting and interesting and clean industry. And additive, for better or worse, is kind of the poster child of this new wave of digital manufacturing. And so um, what I'm hoping happens is we see smarter uh, products that last longer, so you see less waste, less of a consumer throwaway society, and you also see a revitalization in manufacturing so that we have, as James just mentioned, uh, on-demand manufacturing, regional or local manufacturing, and really smart products that do what they're supposed to do and last a long time. Mm. Michael? I think all those things are true. I think the most exciting thing for the future of 3D printing for me is, is that I don't know. And I mean that because what we're seeing right now in 3D printing, even the most amazing cutting edge thing, is being done by people who didn't grow up immersed in easy access to 3D printing. And so on some level are translating their, their ideas pre-3D printing world into a 3D printing world. And as you start thinking about 5, 10, 15 years out in the future, you'll start seeing kids who grew up assuming 3D printing into their design and into their world. And as they do that, they take it in directions that are very hard for people to imagine. You know, I mean, when we had, when we first had computers, they were great at doing accounting things and things that made sense before computers. But it wasn't until you got people who grew up on the internet as, as true digital natives to be able to say, oh, I'm going to do this incredible thing that you never could have imagined in 1950 or 1960. Uh, instead, we're going to be doing something that only makes sense if you've just internalized all of the internet. And so that's what we hope to see is people start internalizing 3D printing and then being able to jump off from there. Mm. So... Oh, great insights. Um, so we're going to take a few minutes to talk about, you know, what we have to overcome in order to, to get to where we want to be uh, five years from now. Um, but first, I think it's important to take, talk about the ecosystem, uh, James, that Autodex is trying to, to bring um, or put together. Um, what problems are you trying to solve? Sure. So with the Spark 3D printing platform, we want to allow innovators in 3D printing and app developers of all kinds, for example, to focus on adding the specific value that they're adding uh, and be able to incorporate 3D printing into their app or into the new 3D printer design that they're creating uh, without having to reinvent the wheel. So, for example, today, if you're an innovator and you've got an idea for a new 3D printer, oftentimes you have to go spend a lot of money and, and on rewriting on writing some software and kind of reinventing the wheel. We want to allow you to focus on your hardware designs. Likewise, if you're developing an application, uh, for example, to allow people to design the best you know, dinosaur toys they've ever seen, we want you to be able to focus on developing your app and then just use some of the tools in the Spark platform to easily enable users of your app to 3D print objects, and you don't have to rewrite all that code yourself. So in a nutshell, we're creating a toolbox uh, where many of the tools are free and open, so that it will accelerate the rate of innovation in 3D printing. Well, thanks for that overview. Well, there's more to talk about, but first let's take another break. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. For up-to-date business and innovation trends, go to bizreinvention.com or follow me on Twitter at bizreinvention. We'll be back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of the curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we help leaders at fast-growing companies develop the leadership capacity necessary to manage growth more effectively. Contact us today to learn more about our executive coaching services and leadership workshops. Call 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com to transform your business and leadership with Change Agent SF. You've heard of good things coming in packages. 
Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying, but when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune in to Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increase margins, listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Business. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. Now, back to Business Reinvention. Okay, Jim, so since we were talking about the ecosystem, so let me get back to you on that again. Um, so looking at the current ecosystem that we have, um, what would you say is the weakest link in the ecosystem that, if improved, can dramatically improve 3D printing usage? I think the weakest link is going from content digital content to the physical object. Uh, that workflow is, is broken in many cases, uh, and so tools need to be provided, and, and we're helping with this, to allow users to get from their digital items to physical content with confidence. So it's not a science project. It's a workflow that they can trust and they can rely on. Mm. Well, team, what do you think? What are other bottlenecks that we need to overcome to get from where we are to the five-year vision? Well, this industry grew up on prototyping, and it's, going, it's, it's experiencing growing pains from going from its prototyping past to its production future. Mm-hmm. And that includes the post-process. People don't understand that coming out of a machine, there's actually quite a lot of work that needs to be done to get to the finished part stage, and a lot of it is very labor-intensive. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things, as, as James mentioned before, the input uh, to the process, but there's also a lot that needs to happen at the output of the process to really make it a viable production method. And, and I'm sorry, so what do you mean when you say liable? I mean, how, how do we make that happen? Well, it, this is more on the industrial side, but when a metal part comes out of a machine, you know, it's coated in powder, it uh, has anchors attached to it that need to be machined or, or uh, taken off somehow with a grinder perhaps, and, uh, and then the part has to be finished usually by conventional machining methods, methods certainly for boring out holes and for uh, flattening those mating surfaces with other parts. So it, even though it's a production process now in certain applications, it's still being used uh, in concert with other manufacturing processes. And a lot of this is not automated yet. So when the part is finally done and ready for consumption or use, it, a lot of labor has gone into it. So it's mm. expensive. So additive right now is expensive. It's slow compared to conventional machining processes. It's limited by the size of the build box in some cases. It's limited in the variety of materials that are available in many cases. So there's a lot of, lot, there's a lot of things about additive as a young industry that it just cannot mix and uh, stand up to several other conventional, more conventional and, and established manufacturing processes. Uh, great insight. Uh, Michael? Yeah, I mean, I think all those things are true. And I think that when you're thinking about 3D, uh, 3D printing, you're thinking about the design tools, you're thinking about the materials, you're thinking about the processes, and all those are sort of coming together, and they're all, they're all evolving together. It is, it is a young industry. I think the final piece of that puzzle is sort of imagination and application, because one of the things that really drives those design tools, one of the things that really drives those materials and those processes is when someone comes up with a really fantastic thing that they want to do with this technology, and then is forced to kind of come back and find all the pieces that need to make it possible. And so as more and more people become aware of 3D printing and as more and more people think about their own personal applications for 3D printing, that's something that's really going to drive a lot of the tech and a lot of the innovation. 
Mm, so we have touched on a lot of different things, um, but just as a summary, um, you know, what do you think 3D printing will replace? Um, I know, Tim, you talked about earlier that it will probably not replace com- machine completely. Um, then if not, what will it replace? I mean, what are the conditions that makes 3D printing a better choice? Um, Tim, since I mentioned your name, let's hear from you first. Well, as I mentioned, there's a lot of niche markets right now for production and additive, and they have to do with the complexity of parts, high value of parts, and also the low production volume. So if we focus on areas like that, we're looking at the dental sector, the medical sector. Uh, we're looking at rocket engines and aerospace and drones and spare parts remanufacturing, uh, repair of spare parts, uh, tools, tools in factories that are produced in very low volumes, not just tools that are used to form things like injection mold tools, but also tools that are used for assembly, uh, tools that are used to fixture a part so they can be inspected with an inspection apparatus. There's a lot of opportunity there as well. So uh, that, that type of um, broad category is where we're really going to see uh, the applications emerge in the next three to five years. And as Bill Gates said, um, you tend to overestimate what's going to happen in two years and underestimate what's going to happen in the next 10 years. And I think this is very true. Ten years from now, as Michael said, it's going to be very hard to know exactly what market and what type of products have been overtaken and replaced and completely displaced with additive technologies. They'll happen, and in retrospect, we'll say, wow, I didn't expect that one, but uh, (laughs) they will definitely be happening. (laughs) Michael? I think when you when I look at, at at the homepage of Shapeways or something like that, the things that I see aren't necessarily displacing or replacing something so much as they are things that would not have been made but for three D printing. And maybe that's because the shapes are impossible. Maybe that's because the person who was designing it doesn't have access to traditional manufacturing. Maybe it's for that niche market that just you could never scale up to hit traditional manufacturing. And so I think it's, yeah, it's true. You know, in 10 years time, who knows? But I think right now we're not so much seeing a displacement as we are seeing an expansion of the pie, which is, is a super healthy and productive thing. James? Yeah, so I think Tim and Michael did a great job hitting on some of the major points. So rather than reiterating what they said, I will also I'll add that, uh, build on what Michael said, in expanding the pie, one of the ways that is going to happen is that the barriers to, for example, startups launching physical products will continue to come down. It will be much easier for small companies to launch products and it, it reduces the cost of failing fast and improving products, for example. So you can, you can try a whole bunch of ideas in the market for very little cost, for very little pain. You can see which ones succeed, and you can then run with the ones that succeed. Historically, you would have had to pay uh, prohibitive tooling costs to launch a whole bunch of products at once. Now startups are free to launch all kinds of products at once, see which ones succeed, and run with those. So uh, this really will build the trend of democratization of design and manufacturing, and I think we'll see a richer future in terms of uh, products and applications because of it. Wow, that's a great way to wrap up our conversation today. I think there's something about 3D printing, as you all pointed out, very aspirational. So discussions about 3D printing is always so exciting. Um, So it looks like that's all the time that we have. I really appreciate all your input. Thank you so much for being with us today. We hope that you've enjoyed Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In the meantime, follow Nancy on Twitter at BizReinvention to keep up on the innovation trends and information about our next show. Or go to BizReinvention.com for more business insights. That's B-I-Z Reinvention.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 